Grace to you and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Clay McCauley, as Jim mentioned, and I do serve as Director for Alumni Development for Union Presbyterian Seminary. We have two campuses, actually. There's a campus here in Richmond in the north side in Ginner Park, uh, and we also have a campus in Charlotte, North Carolina. This fall, we have over 200 students who have enrolled in various degrees. So I bring greetings to you from our over 200 students, from our faculty staff, from our president, Brian Blunt. And uh, should you venture over to Ginner Park and would like to stroll around the campus sometime, we would be delighted to uh, show you around. Just uh, let uh, someone know and I'll be glad to meet you there. Also, as a minister member of the Presbytery, I want to thank you all for your hosting us for uh, this Presbytery meeting that will occur this Saturday. You all are so gracious to do that. It is such a delight to come into this place. It's just such a welcoming space. And uh, so I'm going to be among those to kind of help set up after uh, worship today as a way of just saying thank you to you all. We appreciate that very much. Jim's really already preached today's sermon. I guess we could just sing a hymn and go home, but we got to do communion. And also, I really want us to hear this story, which is found only in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Note where Jesus is and who he meets and what one does and what Jesus says. Can you do that? Let's listen. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a skin disease approached him, keeping their distance. They called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, hmm, were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return? to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Friend, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Isn't that a great story? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's do that again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And say it like you mean it. Let's pray. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, 
and that in your will we may discover our peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so once again, Luke is giving us a not-so-subtle reminder of where Jesus is going. He says it right there in line one. Where is he going? He's going to Jerusalem. Luke, who really, of all the gospel writers, is a master storyteller, just in the first two sentences gives us lots to think about. What does he do? He says, we're reminded of the place where Jesus is going, Jerusalem. What happens in Jerusalem? There he dies. Yes, he's raised from the dead, but here Luke is reminding us Jesus is on his journey to give his life for our sake. That's the first thing. He also says he's bordering on a place called Samaria. Samaria was a place where he should not go. Why? Because all good Jews would not go near Samaria. Boop. From Jerusalem, I'm sorry, from Galilee to Jerusalem, most people will avoid Samaria, but he goes straight through Samaria. That's the second thing. And then the third thing, we're shown that he meets people with whom he should not associate. He sees people who have a skin disease. They called it leprosy. We now know it as Hansen's disease or something similar. But he associates with the outcast of society, people who would not come close. Not just one person, mind you, but ten people with this dreaded skin disease commonly called leprosy. Okay. So he sets the stage for us. It's a familiar story, one of the most familiar stories in the gospel. And William Barclay has this to say about it. There is no story in all the gospels that is so poignantly showing a person's ingratitude. The lepers had come to Jesus with a desperate longing. He had cured them. Nine never came back, never came back to give thanks. So often, Barclay says, once a person gets what he or she wants, they never come back. Isn't that sad? All right, there might be some lessons we draw from this miracle and pronouncement story of Jesus. One is... All ten of the people who cried out to Jesus must have had some element of faith because they did what Jesus told them to do. They did. They, they got up and they left. They went towards the priest's house. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Was The problem was they kept going. Now, in some fairness to all the lepers, no one could be declared clean until the priest said you were cleaned. So that was the law. They couldn't still join society, even though they had been made clean on their way to the priest's house. They had to go and get legitimate authority that said, you're clean, you can go home. 
So to be declared clean, freed from a life of estrangement and exile from society, they had to go there. And they were eager. You can imagine how excited they were that they were so excited that they went first and foremost to the priest's house. So nine of them went on as they were told. And they had their reasons for going without returning, thankfully. And so, of course, we may also have our reasons. For we have faith, don't we? We intend to return and say thanks, to return thanks to God. Just not now. There's some pressing matters at hand. We may be in the midst of selling our house and the real estate market and the interest rates are going crazy right now. This is just a crazy time. Or our health may be a bit uncertain. You know, that knee surgery, that MRI looms large. Family concerns may be more demanding over time. We have things to tend to. We, we need to make sure our health is good. Our, our finances are secure. Our children are provided for. We need to do that before we come and offer our thanks to the one <laughs> who gives us all of that, who gives us life and health and prosperity. So, like the ten people with leprosy, we might say, we have faith and we will come back. We will return. Just not now. Maybe later. But folks, reasonable living, even reasonable thanksgiving and stewardship is not what Jesus finds remarkable in this story, was it? And that's another lesson we may draw from this story. We're not called to be reasonable. We're called to be thankful. John Claypole said that one of the loveliest memories he had of his young daughter, who later died of leukemia when she was only eight years old, was when she was four years old. He was working early in his study at home and she quietly slipped in one morning before the break of day. Still in her night clothes and without a word, she just climbed up into his lap and laid her head on his shoulder. Her father said, I am so glad to see you. What can I do for you so early in the morning? She just paused for a moment and said, Nothing. I just wanted to be close to you, that's all. He said that moment was golden to her and to him. She was not there for any utilitarian purpose. Just the wonder of being and sharing a moment with her dad. He was thankful. The one who is noteworthy in the gospel 
is the one leper who returned. And not just returned, mind you, but the sole purpose for returning was giving praise and thanks to God. And this is very important Christologically for this foreigner, this Samaritan, this outcast, saw and recognized Jesus as God. He praised God. In fact, he threw his face to the ground and thanked him. And if you think back into the old Hebrew scriptures, you might be reminded of another story of a foreigner who was healed of a skin disease and was thankful. His name was Naaman, and he was a Syrian. Oh, if people of Judah hated Samarians, they hated Syrians even worse. They were oppressors. And yet this man, Naaman, a Syrian, came to Elisha, and by the grace of God, he was healed. And what did he do? He gave thanks to God. I'm sure Luke was thinking about that as he was retelling the story of Jesus. For it was in this story, this gratitude cost the leper something. He turned back to Jesus delayed his mission of seeing the priest, his personal goal, at least for a while. What did that mean? Well, he was in the back of the waiting room in the priest's house, waiting to be declared clean. But it didn't seem important to him at the time, does it? Why? Because someone, even a godly man who came from across the border up in Galilee, had given his life back to him. And so going back, bowing himself at Jesus' feet, thanking him, became the order of the day, as we like to say as Presbyterians, the true order of worship. In fact, when Jesus saw him, he said, your faith has made you well. And another way to translate that from the Greek is, your faith has saved you. It was his faith in giving thanks to God that saved him. Reminded of another story, this time of a, pres a Protestant missionary named A.W. Milne. It's not a name you would recognize. He was a missionary to New Guinea back about 150 years ago. And here's what's the story that speaks to me is, before he went, the people said, look, you need to know some of the people in New Guinea are cannibals. They could kill you. But he went and he served and he taught them and he loved them. And when he died, the native people of that land put a marker at the head of his grave. And this is what it said. Here lies A.W. Milne. When he came to us, there was no light. But when he died, there was no darkness. They were thankful. 
people. And this man made whole his act of devotion to praise God. His thanksgiving was not lost on the master who made him clean, who commended the Samaritan leper for his faith. It was, if you think about it, a tithe. A tithe is one-tenth. One-tenth of those who were healed came back and gave thanks. A tithe of thankfulness. He and we are led to be thankful. Okay, so how does this story apply to us? This is what I call the so what. Clay, it's a nice story. So what? What do we do with it? Well, we might begin by asking ourselves, well, where am I in the story? Where do you see yourself? Okay, ruling out the possibility that you're Jesus. You're not Jesus. Okay, so rule that one out. Okay, that leaves one of the ten lepers. While some of you, even most of us at times, may resemble one who returns thankfully, just remember that the vast majority of the story's characters are the nine who did not return. We're very much in that majority, I would say. It may also help to consider Luke probably did not include this story of healing and thanksgiving for the benefit of the thankful one-tenth who returned like this foreign leper. So chances are great that only Luke included this story in his gospel for the sake of the nine of us who can't quite see our way back to the feet of Jesus, who gave our life back to us before practically anything was said and done. Okay, so if we belong to the nine who go on our way, what is there for us to do with God's help? Two simple words, return thanks. Return thanks. It's as simple as bowing our heads in thanksgiving for every morsel of bread and food we place into our mouths. You know what? It's okay for you to stop and silently say a word of thanks, even in a restaurant, for the food you are about to receive. I tell you, if you do, no one's going to haul you off to prison like the God Squad, okay? You can do this. It's as simple as returning thanks, but it's as complex as coming to the feet of God incarnate, worshiping him with every ounce and fiber of our being, with all that we are. Remember, there's no day off in the Christian life. The story is told of some students from one of the colleges at Oxford University in the last century who decided to write, mostly as a plank, to Rudyard Kipling, the noted British author and poet. 
And here's what the letter said. Dear Mr. Kipling, it is said by the London Times that each and every word you write and publish is worth a shilling. Well, in close, please find a shilling. Please send us your best word. Sort of sounds like college students from the last century, doesn't it? Well, about a week later, the students received a telegram from Rudyard Kipling that simply said one word. Thanks. Thanks. Return and give thanks. Realizing all the while that we owe God far more than just a debt of gratitude, it's not a matter of what we owe. We give God thanks for the life we have and by grace the gifts we have to offer. And as Jesus said in the end, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Give thanks.